fact, most of the history of the Christian church, uh, communion has been considered the high point. In fact, some churches call it the, the, the climax of the service. Even, they think it's even more important than the sermon. It's even more important than the singing. It's even more important than the offering, believe it or not. Uh, but it's considered the most important part of, of the service in, throughout most of Christian history. So it's, it's appropriate that we take a moment to, to pause. You know, I'll, it'll become clear as we go ahead and do this why, why we're doing it, but uh, we've, been, we've been teaching the children recently about communion and uh, what it means. And so actually what I'm going to share with you today is the exact same lesson I shared with the kids last week. They've got a head start on you. Uh, it's quite possible that uh, they'll, they'll tur- if you're sitting next to an elementary school age student, they'll say, I, I already knew that. But uh, I want to take a few minutes to explain, and it's going to really help. Most of you have Bibles, or there's Bibles in your pew, or you've got a little device that has a Bible on it. But it's going to help if you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians in the New Testament chapter 11. It's going to be really important to have it, like, right in front of you. So everything I'm going to say today is straight out of this passage. And when you take a look at it, you're, you'll notice this, this, is what, this is what Pastor Jim reads pretty much every week. This is, uh, or every, every time we do communion, this is, this is what he reads. But sometimes we read it not having really an idea what it means or, or anything. So, so today we're going to take a few minutes to, to talk about, about what it means. Um, <clears throat> well, kids... I think almost all of you can do this with me, because I got the microphone. I'm not going to be able to use my hands for the sign language, but the, but kids, I think you could you could say the verse with me that we've been looking at for the whole month. So, if just just listen closely if you're near a kid, and hopefully don't don't mumble, kids. All right, you you know this one. All right, so say it with me, John six thirty five, little little louder. John six thirty five, Jesus declared. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6, 35. Pretty good. Pretty good. Give, give the kids a hand, round, a hand there. That was really good. <clears throat> well, what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11. Hopefully you're there by now. We're going to start in verse 23. And what I'm about to say, it all, it all comes from this statement. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And there are five ways. Everybody hold up a hand. Hopefully you got all five fingers with you. It's okay if you don't. Still love you. Wiggle your fingers around. Five fingers. There are five ways. All the kids learned this last week, so you could probably... One of you could probably preach this for me, but there are five ways that communion reminds us that Jesus is the bread of life. The first way, wiggle your thumb, all right, point it at yourself, all right. The first way, you want to get up there? Jesus, God, became one of us. God became one of us. You can put your hand down for a minute, but God, God became one of us. Now, 
This feeds our spirit. This is bread to our souls to know God became one of us. The reason we have a physical piece of bread, the reason that we have physical, in our church tradition we do some juice, the reason we, we have a, a physical, there we go, I knew I was going to do that. The reason we have that is to remind us God became one of us. He didn't stay distant. He didn't stay abstract. He didn't show up like he occasionally did in the Old Testament in a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud that you couldn't get near, you couldn't touch because it was so fearsome. He, he actually took on physical, a physical body with a beating heart, breathing lungs, flesh. He got hurt. He got tired. He was weak. He, he felt everything we've ever felt, and he felt it deeply. It nourishes, it strengthens, it, it builds up our spirit, our soul, our heart, our inner person to know God became one of us. And guys, when we do this every month, this is evidence. This is evidence that he actually became one of us. As you're doubting, as you're wavering in faith, take, take this, this thing that we do every month and, and remind, our, remind yourself, this is evidence. All right? Second thing, hold up your pointer finger. All right? I'm going to have to put down the mic for a second to show you what we showed the kids last week. Do this. All right. In sign language, in the American Sign Language, the sign for Jesus is to do, do that against your palms. And I bet most of you could guess what that means. That, that, means that, that reminds us how Jesus was pierced for our sins. I think that's neat that the American Sign Language actually uses that symbol. You, you, when, if you know American Sign Language, you, you can't forget what Jesus did on the cross. All right? So the, your second finger is point it, to your, point it to your palm and remember, Jesus died for us. The, the second way that communion reminds us how Jesus is the bread of life is to remind us that Jesus died for us. When we break the bread like that, that isn't just so there's enough pieces for everybody. That reminds us that Jesus was broken for your sin. You know, our sin costs something horrible. It costs eternal life. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid that price for all, all of us. So we could go from being distant from God, far from God, an enemy of God, even the Bible calls it, to actually becoming his friend. He bore the suffering and the wrath and the pain that was our due by dying on the cross. So when you hold up your second finger, you remember Jesus died for us. And guys, that is, that is food. That is bread for your soul to know Think of the worst, most stressful problem you've had recently, how you were swept away in despair, anxiety, fear, trembling. That problem is nothing compared to your sin problem that Jesus completely took away 100% for all time, forever, when he died for you on the cross. So, 
Wiggle your middle finger there. All right. The third thing, the third way that communion reminds us of how Jesus is the bread of life is that it reminds us Jesus made a covenant with us. Covenant, a lot of the kids learned that for the first time last week. The word covenant is a big word. It just means an agreement. Uh, it's when two parties agree. They promise something to one another. But it's not just any agreement. It's, a gr- it's an agreement that is so serious. It's so important. It's so sobering when they make this agreement that they actually... Uh, both both parties actually sacrifice in, in the in the ancient world. They would sacrifice an animal and spill its blood to show to seal up the covenant to show just how important that agreement is. So they would they would actually spill blood to seal up a covenant. And when Jesus spilled his blood on the cross, he he show, was showing us he was actually sealing up a covenant, an agreement between us and God. When he was broken, his body was broken, that, that's what they used to do in the covenant. When, when they would spill the animal's blood, they would break the animal in two. And that was a sign just how serious the covenant was. It sealed up the covenant. So Jesus actually sealed up the covenant for us when he died on the cross, spilled his blood, and his body was broken. This agreement was so serious that both parties actually said, I will take a curse onto myself. I will take a curse onto myself if I dare to break this agreement. That's how serious it was. Well, guess what? Jesus took that curse onto himself. So when when God promises to rescue us from sin, to make us his friend, to, to revive us, in the last day, give us a new resurrection body, a new resurrection uh, life, and, and put us into the, the new heaven and the new earth. When God promises that, he's so serious about that promise that he seals the covenant with his own blood. He's so serious about that promise that he lets his body get broken to seal up that promise. He's so serious about the promise he actually took that curse of breaking the promise onto himself when he died on the cross. That's that's the third thing that we we re- that's the third way we remember that Jesus is the bread of life and to remember that it's a covenant we have the kids try to wrap their middle finger around their other finger. You can try to do that. It's a little hard for some of us, but uh, but that's some, one of the signs we use when you know we say I promise, I really really promise. So God promised and it's so serious, he'll never break it. That's food for our soul. That is bread to our hearts. That is bread to our spirit to know God will never break this covenant. The third, or sorry, the fourth, you can wiggle your fourth finger here, is this actually reminds us that this, there's a covenant between us. There isn't just a covenant between us and God. There's actually a covenant between us. When, when, we, when we take this, when we drink it, and when we take a little piece of this into our mouth, we're, we're not going through just a little ritual here. We're actually saying yes to the covenant that's between us. And it's a covenant that I promise I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. I'm going to lay down my life for you and, and love you 
as, I, as much as I love myself. That's kind of pretty heavy. And, and it reminds us, Jesus, you know, or sorry, Paul wrote that examine yourself when you take communion because, I don't know about you, but I come short of that a lot, all right? I come short, I break that promise a lot. But you know what the good news is? What is bread to our soul? What is What feeds and nourishes our spirit? It's that God is the one who's responsible. He makes himself responsible for upholding the covenant between us. You're not just exposed to um, the, you know, this isn't a Lord of the Flies kind of like, you're just exposed to the community and, and uh, you know, people don't like you. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't uh, middle school um, Lord of the Flies kind of stuff. God himself upholds the covenant when, when, when he promises not only to keep covenant with us, he's also promising to uphold the covenant we have with each other. Okay? So when you, when you drink this, when, yeah, it's, it is time to examine yourself. It's time to remember, oh, yep, I actually need to make something right. Yep, I actually, I didn't do so well on that this last week. Yes, it is time to do that, but it's also, it also feeds your soul. It's bread to your soul to remember to remember God is the one upholding that covenant between us. All right? So, and then, and then to remember that, this was really hard for me to do. All the kids could do it really well last week. But I try to wrap my middle finger or, or around my fourth finger uh, to remember that it's a covenant between all of us. So, yeah, a bunch of you kids already got it. You got flexible fingers, old, stiff. All right. <clears throat> fifth, fifth thing, everyone wave your middle, your, sorry, your middle, your pinky, and wave it straight up into the air. All right? The fifth thing, the fifth way that communion reminds us that Jesus is the bread of life is to remember, this is really good news, you guys, God is coming back. Pointing up to the, yes, we, hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> we sang about that already this morning. Point your finger, little finger up into the air with confidence and joy and excitement. God is coming back. And that means the end of all your suffering. All of it, every last bit of it. We're going to be swept up into a new heaven and a new earth where justice reigns. There isn't even going to be like a delay time between, you know, sometimes we get to experience a little bit of justice here on earth every once in a while. But even then, there's a delay. There's going to be no delay. Evil will be overturned completely. Jesus is going to reign here, and we are going to get to see him face to face. Face to face. It's worth rejoicing. Yes, it is worth rejoicing. So, yes, this reminds us of his dead body and his spilled out blood. But you know what else this reminds us of? It reminds us he didn't stay dead. He did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. And when, because he did that, that, that guarantees, that certifies, that, I, that promises us that he's going to come back and set everything straight. That is such good news. And, you know, it's, it's not an accident that this is happening on the day that we remember the persecuted church. Uh, the kids, when we, when we uh, leave in a little bit, um, during Pastor Ben's servant sermon, when we leave, we're going to pray for the
for that church in India. We're going to pray for uh, Jesse's church in India. We're going to pray for the persecuted church. And it's no accident that we're celebrating communion, that communion Sunday is the day of the persecuted church. Because you know what? Many people around the world, many Christians, are facing far worse sufferings than we've ever faced. But there is a way that Jesus' coming back is more real to them. Because they know, they know all that trouble, all that trial, all that tribulation is going to be taken away someday. That is good news. We can cheer for that. So hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to read this twice for everybody's benefit. I'm, I'm going to read through it once, and then you'll hear me read through it again when we actually do communion. Um, while I'm reading that, uh, and I'd like you all to... Actually, I'm going to read it first while we're all silent, and then I'm going to give some directions here. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look, look for everything I, I just said. If you want to go to the last slide here, all those, all those things are, are, are in this passage. God became one of us. Jesus paid for our sin. <clears throat> God made a covenant with us. He'll never break. We have a covenant with it, one another, and God upholds it. And then God's coming back, all right? Remember, all, all, that's, all that is in this passage. So, so look for all that as we read it. John, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Remember, guys, that's a covenant he's not going to break. Whenever you drink it, um, in remembrance of me. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right? Hallelujah. We are remembering that he's coming back when we do this. <clears throat> All right. So I would like the fourth and the fifth graders to very quietly come forward. I would also like the elders and the ministry coordinators to come forward. And then those adults who are the small group leaders of the fourth and fifth graders, come on forward. Um, uh, and I would like, let's see, Jesse, Sean, Marie, if you could help kind of line up everybody on either side in equal measure. So come on forward. If you are a fourth or fifth grader, come on forward. And... Um, this morning, we are having some of our children serve. We're having some of our children serve because, well, for a, a few different reasons. Um, number one, Jesus said, um, let, the, let the children come to me. He, he didn't, unlike most religions in the world, most religions throughout history, uh, faith isn't just an adult thing. God actually throws open the doors to children. In fact, he makes an example of children and says, you know, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. So we can learn a lot as children serve as communion. So the children are going to be helping. The third and fourth graders are going to be helping. I'm sorry. 
uh, fourth and fifth graders are going to be helping to serve communion. Um, and another thing that's happening is we're trying to train our children to become a house of prayer for all nations. That's not just for the adult church. That's for everybody. Everybody gets to enter into being a house of prayer for all nations. And so this is an opportunity our oldest kids have to learn how to become a house of prayer for all nations. So I, I pray everyone would receive graciously the gift God is giving you through younger people, through children this morning. And, um, you know, when I say that, I also want to remind us when we're a house of prayer for all nations, everybody's got something to contribute. doesn't matter how young they are, how old they are. We, we treasure each other no matter what our age is, what our life stage is, and, um, and we can receive God. We can receive the bread of life through anybody as we gather in his name. Let's uh, open up our hearts now to Pastor Ben as he comes to share with us. All right. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Uh, I had a feeling wouldn't have a whole lot of time this morning. Uh, so I decided we're going we're gonna to read an entire book. Anybody know where Hag- Haggai is? It's the third to the end of the Old Testament. In your pew Bible, it's 667, page 667. Uh I'm using the NIV this morning and another translation I was using this week as I was studying a little bit. Uh, use the word consider this four times. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of background and a little history of what was going on here. Uh, the, the Israelite people had been in captivity in, in uh Babylon, the Babylon captivity. They had been taken out of their out of their country. Everything was destroyed. They were in Babylon. Persia comes. Persia takes over Babylon, and then the king of Persia says, "Israel, you can go ahead and go back. You can go back to build the house for the Lord. You can go back to Jerusalem." Uh, there's a lot of history behind that, but that's basically the gist of it. Uh, and so Israel goes back, goes back, to, uh, goes back to Israel, goes back to Jerusalem. Uh, they build the foundation of the temple. It took them two years. Two years they built the foundation, and then they stopped. Uh, and it says, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good, his love endures his love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Um, so they, they had laid the foundation, and then, they, and then they lost sight of what they were supposed to be doing. And so 
They laid the foundation. They had this wonderful service, awesome foundations laid. We're talking about foundations, right? Foundation was laid. Woo! And then they went on to do their own thing and build their own house and build their own stuff and take care of their own stuff. And Haggai comes 18 years later and gives them this message. Wait a second. Why are you building all your nice homes and your nice stuff and your nice, you got this beautiful homes and my house is laying in ruins. And Haggai has, has a, the word, word comes through Haggai and gives, gives them a message. And, and uh, so, yeah. <clears throat> in the second year of King Darius, in the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. To Zerubbabel, son of Shathiel, governor of Judah, the Joshua, son of Josiak, the high priest. So uh, Zerubbabel was basically the governor of, of the people of Israel. And um, yeah, Joshua, <clears throat> uh, son of Jehoshiak, the high priest. Uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the, through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Paneled house was basically uh, what the, the verbiage they would give to a palace. Uh, something, a, very, a luxurious house. Paneled house. He's talking about paneled houses. Uh, well, this house, my house, remains in ruin. All it is is a foundation. There's nothing built on it. Nothing's happened. They spent two years building this foundation, and now it's just laying there. And they went to do their own thing, build their own houses, build their own stuff. It's all about me, my... Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought. Consider this. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Hmm. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought. Give careful thought to your ways. You have, uh, go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build a house. Build, build the house. Build me a house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much to see, and, and it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains in ruin, which each of you is busy in his own house. Therefore, because, you, because of you, heavens are withheld their due, and the earth its crops. I've called for a drought in the fields, in the mountains, in the grain, in the new, new wine, in the oil, and whatever the ground produces on men, and cattle, and the labor of your hands. Now, this is not exactly a... Um, 
a picture of, of God that we really talk about much. That when we don't put God first, he messes with our life. When we don't put him first and we don't do things that honor him, life doesn't, we don't picture God messing with us. He's, he's always taking care of us. He's always got our back. He's always, he's always got our, he does have your best interests in mind. But it's not a picture we, we paint of God's messing with our priorities. He's messing with what's really important in our life. What is really valuable? What really matters? He's messing with it. They, they came, they built, the, built the, the, the altar, built the foundation and left it. They're building their own houses. They're spending all kinds of money and energy and time and it's not producing anything. It's not no fruit and it's, oh, I just got to work more. If that's not a picture of the American dream, the American life, We got to work more. We got to get more stuff. We got to get more. We got to look out for me and my family, and it's all about me. And God's saying, wait, 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 wait. Why are you building all your stuff when my house is laying in ruins? All it is is just a foundation. Nothing's built on it, nothing's happened yet. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shathiel, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, and the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of times in, in, in Scripture when a prophet will come. You know, you think of people like Jeremiah, who was there for decades. Come on. Here's Haggai, half a chapter in. Hardly says anything, and then the people obey. Sweet. The people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. We heard about that just, just a minute ago, didn't we? I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Shathiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord. Almighty their God, the t- 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Uh, they all began to work, and, and it says there was an excitement, and something happened in them. They all began to, you know, just imagine going up and they're cutting timber and we're working on the house together. Woo! They're excited, right? They're excited, but God didn't promise them anything other than Himself. God didn't promise them anything other than himself. He didn't promise that their crops were going to produce. He didn't promise that their their houses are going to be successful. He didn't promise them that all the things that they had been so pouring their life into and no fruit from it, God didn't promise them any of that. 
He said, build my house, honor me, and I'll give you myself. I ask you the question this morning, is he enough for you? He never promised. I don't know God's ways. I don't understand why he does things the way he does them sometimes. I don't understand why healings happen to some and they don't to others. I don't understand. His promise is him. I'm with you. His promise to the people of Israel. My covenant my covenant, the thing I, I promised you, the thing I... I'm going to be with you. Now, as we go into chapter 2 here, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. I was do, doing uh, cross-referencing in different Bibles and things, and it... Uh, one of the footnotes on one of them said it was the seventh day of the Feast of Booths, that, that date. It's interesting, the Feast of Booths would have been a time where on, on the seventh day was like a day of celebration. It was a day of we're bringing our fruits, we're bringing our harvest, we're bringing our stuff, we're bringing it into the, the thing, we're going to celebrate together. Whoa, isn't this awesome? So this time would have actually been kind of depressing for them. It wouldn't have been like, whoa, this is awesome. Look at all our fruits. Look at all our harvest. It would have been like, they've been working four weeks now. Starting to get tired. Starting to get, ugh. Starting to get tired. They don't have anything to show for it. It's a little bit depressing. Let's listen to the pep talk. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheol, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jodiak, the high priest, and the remnant of the, people, remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? I want, want you to remember, go, let's go back to uh, the Ezra chapter 3. Remember that? They built the, the foundation. It was beautiful. Everybody was, this, this, is, this, is the, this is the verses come right after that. But many of the older priests and the Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple, temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of shouts of joy and the sounds of weeping because the people made such a noise and the sound was heard far away. So all the young people saw this foundation and saw this, this thing being laid for the temple and were, were so excited and, whoa, this is awesome. Yeah! And all the older people, all the elders, all the ones that remembered the old house, the former house, saw this, saw this foundation and said, really, that's it? What? And they began to weep. They began to say, this is not it. No. Began, as they began to weep, no one, no one could distinguish between shouts of excitement and woohoo and weeping. So all the older people, uh, there was 54 years between when they were taken captive, I think something like that. So they're, they're, all the older generation remembers what the old, the old house looked like. 
And all the young people, here's this little nice foundation. This is awesome. Took us two years to build. And all the older generations saying, no, this ain't it. So you can imagine the discouragement. They don't have any fruit. They don't have any harvest. They don't have anything to show for. All the older generation, I don't know, it would be kind of discouraging for me to know what it used to be like and what the glory used to be like and the, when God used to show up there and things used to happen there. And Now the younger generation, ah, they're just settling for something. Yeah. Speak to Zerubbabel. Uh, yes. Hmm. Be strong, O Zerubbabel. Declares the Lord, be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Be strong and work. That's God's pep talk. Be strong and work. Nice. For I'm with you. Said it again. I'm with you, declares the Lord. This is what I covenanted. Anybody know anything about covenant? This is what I covenant with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the desired of the nations will come. The desired of the nations. Anybody have any idea what the desired of the nations is referring to? The desired of the nations will come. And I will fill this house with the glory of the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. This is a place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. They did the work. As far as we know, wasn't 500 years later, 500 years later in uh, 20 BC when Herod came along and built the temple even bigger. And not sure that the people of Israel at this time ever saw the greater glory. They never saw it, but they were faithful. God never promised them anything other than himself. Honor me in what, in what you're doing. Honor me in building this. So we're, we're almost through a whole entire book here, so we might as well finish, right?
Uh, on the 24th day of the ninth month, the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is the word of the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If a person carries unconsecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some, some bread or stew, some wine or oil, other food, does, not, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. And Haggai said, so, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought. Consider this. From this day on, consider how, how things were before one stone was laid on, on the other in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to heap the, the 20 measures, there was only 10. When anyone went, went, went with a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there, there was only 20. I, stuck, I struck all the work of your hand with, with blight, mildew, hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from the 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Think about it. Give careful thought. Consider it. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and olive, olive have not borne fruit. And here at the very end of, it's almost, almost the end of chapter 2, and it finally says, from this day forth, I will bless you. Now the whole uh, picture right before that where it's talking about the, the defilement and uh, if it's a piece of meat touches something defiled is that piece of meat, you know, you got the piece of meat in your garment and it touches something defiled, is, does that piece of meat become defiled? Yes. Uh, he was giving a picture of saying, you know, the, the things you do, <clears throat> the saying in essence, that I think there was a good picture of what Andrew was sharing this morning. If, if Jesus talked about it this way, if you've got something against somebody, you, you bring something to the altar and you've got something against somebody, just leave it at the altar and go, go make it right. Go get things right because guess what? You're, you're offering at the altar is really kind of worthless. It really doesn't mean much when, you're, when your heart isn't right with somebody else. He was saying that your actions, your actions and, the, and the, things you, the things you've done about building your own house and your own kingdom and your own family and your own, it's all me and so selfish and you've let my house fall to the ground and be in ruins and, and you're not giving any attention, you're not doing anything about it. You're not honoring me. The things you are doing, the things you do to try to honor me, is really kind of worthless because of what my house looks like. They're spending time, they're building, they're, they're, they construct this thing. They never, saw, they never saw the full extent of the glory being poured out 
Then you ever pictured Jesus coming into that place? So, we're talking about foundations, foundational principles, right? And I, I wanted to share a whole book of the Bible just to illustrate. I, honestly, as I was preparing this week, I felt like it was a prophetic now word for our church. I feel like it's, oh, we will value healthy congregational life. We will seek wholeness for individuals and for the whole congregation. If we're so busy doing our own thing, even our own ministry, our own, it's all about me and my, how I can do better and how I can get better and I got to get more for my family and yet his house, we're not paying any attention to his house. It's kind of falling over and it's kind of, I'm not talking about just this building, although it needs work. If we're so consumed and can't only care about our own, getting our own and the American dream and it's all about us and it's all about me, why would we value? Why would we value a healthy congregation? Why would we value God's house? And the funny thing is, like in Haggai, we can spend all our energy and time and effort in, yes, I'm finally getting somewhere, and then it's gone. Where did it go? Anyone ever have that experience? God says, put me first. Honor me. Put my house first. We're talking about the, the, the temple being built. In the New Testament, who's the temple? We are. We got to build each other. We got to build on one another. We got to strengthen and encourage one another. We got to care for one another. We got to value each other. If we're so consumed with ourselves and getting ours, there's so many things that happen in this, in this building alone. We will care for one another in spiritual and practical ways. Uh, I want you to just take a moment and think. Take a moment and think, how am I doing that? Take a moment, consider it. Am I, do we care for one another in spiritual and practical ways? I think a lot of us do. How are you doing in that? 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give everyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I know we did a whole sermon series, Kingdom, Kingdom Culture. That was our text. It was, a, it was a beautiful series, wasn't it? Anyone remember that? <clears throat> what does it look like to honestly take care and care for one another? What would it look like if we actually sold possessions? To care? Sold possessions to care for somebody in the, in the body that needed something. What would that look like? You guys know as well as anybody, there's needs coming all the time. You get emails, you get, there's needs all the time. And I know it's really, it's not an easy thing for, especially in the Christian context, in the church context, a pastor talking just talk about money. People got a lot of weird, like, oh. God calls us as the body of Christ to meet needs of each other. Sweet, 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 sweet. <laughs> God calls us to meet needs of one another. I don't know if you, it should not be a weird, awkward thing. It should be something that's exciting. Something that, as they were going up the hill and cutting timber and working on the, working on the thing, and there was somebody melting gold down and melting silver and, and building things and creating things, and it, there was an excitement. There was a, wow, that's awesome. I, I, I need to do something. And there was something that, there was an excitement. I, I tell you, I don't, I don't, yeah. Whew. Gotta contain myself. I, I, I'm telling you, God, we bought a house two years ago on a part-time youth pastor's salary. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make sense. I think every bill has ever been paid for. We're honoring God with our tithes and offerings and giving. I'm not trying to toot our own horn here. I'm trying to tell you that God is good. I'm telling you there's times where it doesn't make any sense. There's times where it's God asks us to honor him. God asks us to trust him. There's times where the plate will go by, we're trusting you, God. You know, promise us I'm going to, the thing we have to hold on to and, and he promised himself. 
can tell you in the times where, where you, you go and you minister and you meet a need, a physical need of somebody, man, I can't tell you God's heart. Anybody ever experienced that before? You go and meet somebody's physical need and, and suddenly God's heart for that person or God's heart for people just, whoo, God's heart for me. Suddenly God opens a new piece of who he is to me. Just because I was faithful and obedient to honor him, and God, it's your money anyway. I know giving is, I know Chris gets up here and he's shaking. And, oh. This is a beautiful building, isn't it? Cost money to run it. We have around 750 people in here on a Sunday throughout the day. The Amalian church back here is outgrowing their rooms. They took up most of that section back there today. What, what do we do? We have needs. Uh, we talk, Remember Pastor Jim talking about an addition out there. Like, my heart's like, yes. But then we see what, what the financial condition of the church is, and we're like, shouldn't ask for that. I don't know. We need to ask for it. We need it. Oh, okay. Enough about that. I'm just saying, God is good, man, when you give. When you give, he promises. He promises. And he's faithful. Take a step. Care for one another in spiritual and practical ways. We believe that wholeness is developed in the context of relationships. I think this church is right in, its, right in who we are. We're a safe place where strangers become friends. We're Pastor Jim, especially man. You see him. He's coming here with a just had shoulder surgery this week. Can't stay away. He's relational. He's instilled that into us. You see him running down the sidewalk trying to reach people he hasn't met yet. Well, you try to connect with him on a Sunday morning right after church, it's almost impossible. He's relational. He's come to my house. It's awesome. And it's not just something we talk about. It's something that we got to live. We were talking to the Burt Boys yesterday morning. Burt Boys is Boys United and released in his, his presence. Uh, sixth to eighth grade boys. We went Taylor's Falls and went hiking and hung out yesterday. We were talking to them yesterday and we were talking about not being isolated. We are talking about caring for one another. We are talking about this very building relationship, even in, uh, in what we were doing yesterday. We are hanging out. We are having fun. We are building relationship for a purpose. Because we are not made to do this Christian walk. We are not made to do this thing alone. 
Some of the things you're carrying, you're not made to carry alone. Imagine one guy trying to build the temple. It wouldn't have happened. This is everybody. Everybody joined in. We're all doing this together. We will seek to develop Christ-like attitudes toward one another. And I know this is kind of the, as soon as I heard this one, I, everyone goes to Philippians chapter 2. My, it, yeah. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and um, one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, some, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now there's a couple things I want you to just think about for a moment. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. When was the last time you looked into something someone else was interested in and you weren't at all? That's, that's laying, laying it down. That's having the attitude of Christ Jesus. He paints it very plain here. last one, we will seek to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It's taken right from Hebrews chapter 10. We're called to spur each other on. We're called to encourage each other. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just Build the foundation. We have this nice foundation, and then it just gets left. Nothing. Nobody builds on it. Nobody takes care of it. Nobody cares for it. Nobody. It's just sitting there. We have this nice, beautiful, 80-year, 84-year foundation. These people of Israel, it was not 500 years later when Jesus walked into the temple. They didn't see the former glory. They didn't see the future glory. But they were faithful and they were obedient. We're, we're valuing, we're going to value the temple. We're going to value one another. We're going to value, <clears throat> you'll see in your bulletin here right in the inside cover, I got Psalm 132, 3 through 5 says, I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, 
a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. Consider this. Consider this. Now, I went to Perkins with Hannah not too long ago. Perkins. And we're, uh, I wasn't super hungry. I don't know. So we, we got the same meal. We got one meal and we're going to split it. <clears throat> and it actually came to us and it was ginormous. It was enough for both of us. Thank God. Because uh, I guess I was hungrier than I actually thought I was. Do you, any of you couples ever do that? Split a meal? Now, would it make sense if I took the meal, ate everything until I was full? Like, I'm good and satisfied, I'm good and full. Now, here, you can have what's left over. Because there wouldn't be much left over, would there? That's how we treat God sometimes. God's not asking you for your leftovers. He's not asking us for our leftovers. He's not asking us for, let's, let's pay all the bills and figure everything out, and then if you've got enough, trust me with it. Uh, I've got a little bit left over. Here you go, God. Or here you go, India. That's not, that's not what God is asking. God is asking, you, honor him, honor him, honor him. Put, put value in the temple. Put value into your relationship with him. Put value into your relationships with one another. And I'm, it's awkward sometimes. I'm working with, with youth and young people. Who their 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 only their only interaction sometimes is on over the internet. They don't know how to relate. They don't know how to, but they're longing for relationship. They're longing for people to care. They're longing for people to value them. They're longing for it. It's awkward sometimes, church. It's awkward to, to, to meet people from different cultures and I'm going to value you because you're part of this temple. We're building this together. We're doing this together. So, uh, can I ask the worship team to come back up? We've got the best worship leader in the house. And the prettiest. It's my wife. It's the case. I was going to leave you guys with a video, but I couldn't find the right one with it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, there was a video caught my attention this last week. It was a, anybody see the Buffalo, Buffalo, New York bus driver who stopped to save the girl? Anybody see that? So there's a bus driver in 
in Buffalo, New York. It caught my attention because we lived an hour from Buffalo, and I, you know, been across that bridge several times. And this last week, there was a, a girl on the outside of a bridge. And the, 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 the city bus driver is driving, and he's got, you know, the dash cam or whatever. You can see the whole thing ha take place. And there's bicycles and people just walking by, traffic going both directions. Girls just standing outside of the off outside the bridge, just standing there. Bus driver comes up, ma'am, you okay? Ma'am, ma'am, you okay? No, no answer. So he, this big guy gets gets off the bus and he grabs her. He says, "You want to come over here? Come on." He pulls her over, and then he gets down on the ground with her. It was an awesome picture of who we're called to be. And then in the news, news clip, uh, another thing caught my attention was at the very end, he says, yeah, I was sitting there with her, and all of a sudden a psychologist and an off-duty police officer and somebody else all within minutes jumped, jumped in to help and talk to her and calm her down. I thought, what an awesome picture of the body of Christ working together. What an awesome picture of who we're supposed to It's a modern-day Good Samaritan. People were just driving by. Who cares? I hope there's not people like that in our church. I can tell you, working with the youth in the youth ministry, there's kids like that. There's kids that, that need somebody to notice them. There's kids that need somebody to... Even in this building, in this church, there's people that need you to value them and notice them. But if we're only about our ministry and our friendships and our relationships and our, it's all about. Got to honor him. I'm going to ask you just, just ponder, consider this. Consider, consider this. I felt a very strong challenge for our whole body, every one of us. There's, there's, we got to focus on his house. We got to value his house. We got to value one another. This is going to be a foundation somebody might be building on 500 years from now. Jesus, we ask that you would come and examine our hearts. Lord, for every one of us, Lord, we don't want to leave your foundation just laying there. God, we want to build, we want to honor you, we want to all of us are guilty of doing our own thing and being selfish. All of us are guilty of it. All of us are guilty of being in our own little world sometime. God, I pray that you would come and, Lord, in creative ways and ideas, challenge our hearts this morning. 
Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's a conversation that needs to happen, between, God, to build back relationship. But there's conversations that need to take place, God. I I pray that that would happen today. Jesus, we ask for the, the value of your house, the value of what you want to increase. In Jesus' name. And we're just going to take a moment and keep keep thinking about Consider it. Think about it. Ponder it. When we're asking for these things, we're really asking his kingdom to come, aren't we? The kingdom of the one who gave himself up. He calls us to do the same. Let's worship. Your glory Praise the Lord. Would you grab hands of whoever's next to you all across just grab somebody's hand don't leave anybody untouched take a look into their eye and tell them I'm here for you I love you if you need anything I'm here for you all right And mean it with your heart. Okay. Let's lift our hands to the Lord for the benediction. May the grace and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ be yours. And go from this place with the banner of his love over you. Go with the fire of his presence deep within you. And may the Lord watch between us while we're absent one from another until we return to this place. In Jesus' name, God bless each and every one of you. Amen.